Oh, here I am. Made it through this shit. Yeah, man, it's crazy. I definitely wanted to hear about your experience because we hear a lot of stuff in the news, but it'd be nice to hear from someone who was actually there. Yeah, because you know the news is going to, they're going to make it probably far worse than what it was, or they're going to gloss over it, or they're going to ignore some of the worst conditions out there, you know, for those that don't necessarily, like, pique the interest of their target audience or something like that. But, yeah, man, it's... It was a, it was an experience. So for those that don't know, um, so Mike's out in Vegas, but I'm in Texas. I'm, okay. I'm in Houston, in the Houston area. And a few weeks ago, by the time this comes out, everyone knows we made the news because, you know, the energy capital of the world of all the oil and petroleum and all this was shut down with no lights. <laughs> and like I joked with Mike while it was going on for like the hour that I had power during that week. You know, I was like, yeah, it was like somebody made a comment. Like, you know, for Texas to be without power is like for someone to be in a grocery store and starving. <laughs> it just yeah. makes no damn sense. So, but it's so much more than that. So when you see situations like that, you know it's more than just, oh, the power's out. There's so many other things that are in, coming into play in the background with that. And we're starting to see that. And right now, like I was telling Mike, it's probably going to be an ass load of, of lawsuits coming. Right. Probably some wrongful deaths because people did die during this thing and that they didn't have to die. People were dying from like carbon monoxide poisoning because they had no power for two or three days, some even a whole week. And during those first three or four days, you had temperatures where they were in the teens or in single digits in Texas. So the, and these people were without power during that entire process. They were doing the first, it was the grid itself and then it became rolling blackouts, which I think were far worse than the actual grid going down. Where, where, was there more people in economically challenged areas that lost power? Yes. Than well, well, put like this, yeah. the whole state was losing power, and especially during the rolling blackout. But when the rolling blackout started happening, put like this, the last ones that had their power come back up, majority of them were in more underserved areas. Right. Right for the end right there, which, you know, why would you be surprised? Yeah, well, I'm not. <laughs> not surprising at all. Because again, there's not a priority to do that. <clears throat> so, you know, but um, it, it for me, you know, again, it's all about what during situations like that. It's always coming down to attitude. Yeah, you know, you can get really get pissed off, but it's really out of your control because to get pissed off that they're shutting the lights off. Well, what are you gonna go do? Who are you gonna go see? Who, who, how are you gonna put your Karen cap on and go say, I need to see the manager when it's being, it's a company that's in charge of all this being run by corporate assholes who don't even live in Texas. They're in Michigan of all places. You know, so probably in their mind, they're thinking like, oh, we're in Michigan. We, we, we deal with this all the time. Get over it. You know, so it's, it, which it was funny because you had a whole lot of people up north, you know, watching all this like, oh man, like, Man, y'all down in Texas whining about that. We deal with this all the time. Yeah, that's the reason why you can get through this because you're in infrastructures that deal with this all the time. And so they have things in place to deal with these situations. Whereas for an entire state of 29 million people, whereas only in the winter, basically only like West Texas and North Texas deal with anything remotely close to what went on during this whole snowpocalypse thing. So West Texas, yeah, because they're right there next to New Mexico. And, you know, not too far away from places like Utah and all that. Yeah, they get snow and blizzards and all that over there. 
And which is so funny because you think West Texas, you just think like damn near desert out there <laughs> during the summertime, which it is. So they get those two extremes. But northern Texas, yeah, because, again, they're farther up north and they're closer to like Oklahoma and all that. So they tend to get snow every now and then. At least they get ice and sleet. But when you get down here in our area, anywhere like from Houston down to San Antonio, which basically is the devil's asshole when it comes to the heat and the humidity, yeah. <laughs> because we're close to that swamp they call the Gulf of Mexico, at least this part of the Gulf of Mexico, which is not the same Gulf of Mexico that you experience when you're in Miami. Okay, so don't get it twisted. When you go to the beach in Miami and that water's all blue and pretty and you bring your ass to Galveston, is that Gulf of Mexico is not the same. Okay, it's browner over here. Okay, so, but yeah, when you live in an area like where we are in Texas, when you start talking about that the temperatures are going to drop down to seven degrees, we're like, okay, you left a zero off, buddy. No, no, seven. Excuse me, what? <laughs> we don't know what to do with that. It's just like when I, I did a seminar at, um, in, in Jersey a few, like a few years ago, not too long after, you know, one of the workshops you and I first did together. It was like the first time I've ever experienced black ice because, mm. uh, we were on a, I was doing a seminar at the training room. Shout out to Uncle Mike, you know, so, and the milkman. So I'm riding out there to their gym in, in, in Jersey. And often the snowstorm just comes out of nowhere. It's October. Okay. It's the middle of October. The snowstorm comes out of nowhere. And then so, um, <clears throat> a, a, a friend of ours was like taking me there. And while we we're driving, the snow was kicking in. <laughs> she tells me, she goes, Oh man. I'm like, what? Meanwhile, if you've ever seen the movie Days of Thunder with Tom Cruise yeah. and just watch how the cars crash around him, that was happening to us on the highway. I'm watching like everything from the shittiest Pinto to the most baller Mercedes Benz, like just skidding and just like crashing right in front of us, like barely missing us. Somehow we made it. I've never seen anything like that in real life, dude. Like where I'm actually in a vehicle and these cars are going right in front of us and sliding, going right off the road, hitting this, hitting black ice. <laughs> and so our friend Jones, she's like, Oh my God, I, I didn't, I haven't even had a chance to change my tires. And I'm thinking like, okay, you don't have a flat. We're driving. What are you talking about? She goes, no, I haven't put my winter tires on yet. Okay. So to a Texan, <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? What is, you, you guys have to change tires? Yeah. You know, we have to switch them up, you know, right before it gets cold like this. So basically it's like the equivalent of, <laughs> I don't know. It's just say like the equivalent. I'm taking it back to college. Like it's the equivalent of you want to have some sexy time with your woman. <laughs> and then she's still wearing her period panties. Okay, she's like, yeah, I'm, I'm not even, like, I don't even have, like, my sexy lingerie on. You know, I'm still wearing, like, my period panties, my lounging panties. <laughs> it's like, that's what it feels like to me. I'm like, what are we talking about? I don't, what, what? What are you even talking about? So, we don't understand winter tires, summer tires, snow chains, all these things. We don't know what you're talking about. So, to sit there and then have experienced that firsthand here in Texas, like, okay, there's ice, and there's sleet, and the sleet is pelting the windows like hail. And then next thing you know, there's snow. And next thing you know, you can't see the roads. And it's all happening quickly. Usually there's like a little process. There's a lead up to this. There was no lead up to this. And then, meanwhile, you feel that you see the temperatures are dropping outside. Your dog's looking at you like, dude, do not send me back out there to pee again. I'm not peeing. I'm holding it. You know, so once you feel that and you go back inside, then 10 minutes later, your lights are flickering. And you think like, okay, that's, that's not a good sign. And then next thing you know, it's just off. 
No lights. So you think like, okay, well, maybe they'll come back on in a little while. No, they're not. And then when they come back on three hours later, they're on for about 10 minutes, and you're, you're like, okay, turn the heat up, you warm it up, it's getting cold. Next thing you know, they're out again. But this time, they're out until a day and a half later. <clears throat> okay, so <laughs> it's funny because people are asking, like, oh, man, <clears throat> what did you do about, the, like, your food in your fridge? Leave it to Texans. We are, we're such foodies. That's the first concern. <laughs> first they ask, like, are you guys good? Yeah. Man, what y'all do about the food? I'm like, do you understand that the inside of this house, in just about everyone's home, it was so cold that the food was good. Stuff remained frozen. It wasn't like having a blackout in the summertime, like like during hurricane season, where you're scrambling and, you know, hopefully you got a cooler, you know, and some other things to prepare for that where you can keep your food cold or you got a, you have a generator. But, yeah, it was, a, it was a different experience, man. But like I said, one thing that come out of it, like I said, wasn't, I wasn't even pissed off because mentally, you know, it's funny how people talk about preppers. And, you know, they're like, oh, you're just paranoid. It'll never get that serious. And then it became that serious. <laughs> so a lot of people were caught with their pants down like, oh, what the hell? But in all due honesty, you know, there, there's many of us here in Texas that have dealt, dealt with hurricanes, especially down here in southeast Texas, where there, hopefully you would think after like Hurricane like Harvey a couple years ago and then Hurricane Ike about a few years before that, Dealing with those type of hurricanes, some people have been like this Houston area since Hurricane Alicia, since the, which is the late 80s, it was like one of the worst hurricanes ever. You would think that, okay, you would have some things in place and ready to go for disasters like this, especially where you could be out of power for up to 72 hours. You know, so, and for some, it actually lasted longer than that. And getting back to you asking about some of those underserved areas, some of those people didn't get their power back until a week later. So let's just say that storm happened like on a Sunday. The majority of Texas was without power probably until that Wednesday is when the grid started slowly coming back up. And then Thursday for sure. And then it can't, it got down to probably about 200,000 to 78,000, somewhere in that number after that Thursday that people who still didn't have power were. Well, guess what those 78,000 to 200,000 people, guess where they were, you know, and they didn't get anything until like I said, a week later. To that following Saturday or Sunday. <clears throat> and to add insult to injury, <clears throat> once the power started coming back up and people were able to get their power on and yeah, let's, let's do you one better. Oh, those frozen pipes. Yeah. Let's just go ahead and start letting them burst. And you know, and the, and the majority of the city, especially in Houston. Oh, and the majority of them had low water pressure if you even had water. So then they were underwater boil advisory after that. So now you've gone to the fact where now you can't even take a shower where you've probably been sitting there for three or four days in the dark and you haven't washed your ass and who knows when, <laughs> you know, so luckily it wasn't summertime. So you shouldn't have been that funky in the first place. And, and it's impossible. It's impossible to be happy if you can't wash. Your oh, ass. hell no. I don't care who you are. To my, <laughs> I don't care who you are. Some people eventually just get over it. Like if you're homeless or whatever, but I'm pretty sure if you say, Hey man, you can take a shower. I'm pretty sure they'll take you up on that offer. I'm pretty sure they won't like, nah, I'm good. 
Nah. <laughs> so, it's going to change the way you walk. It's going to change exactly. the way. Uh, like, It'll help you think better. How, how do I get through this BS situation that's happening? Sometimes just being clean can help you have cleaner thoughts. Okay. And a, and a better plan. But it's really hard to come up with a plan when you keep smelling your armpits every five seconds and you're getting nauseated by the way you smell. Right. And right. all you smell is crotch. I can't really think when I'm you know, surrounded by crotch smells. Okay. So. <laughs> So that being said, you know, you got people that's dealing with the water situation and, and all that. So it just really, for me, again, not to get too frustrated with the situation. It was just a whole like shaking my head situation for me. I was like, oh, here we go. But at the same time, again, I was getting back to what I was saying um, about preppers. You know, when times are good, people think they're all crazy. When times are bad, they're all trying to remember their prepper friend. And like, hey, man, you, nope, don't come right. over here. Don't do it. It's not going to end well. Don't think you're getting anything. You've had, you, you knew what to do because you asked me. <clears throat> so for me, the entire situation was just a good test of the supplies and mindset that I already had. It was a good way to me to see how well could my wife endure such a situation because she doesn't sit around there and visualize these situations or whatever else like I do. Right. Because of my thing, when it comes to just even just being in the personal defense world, I always say, you know, visualization is not just a good strategy to have when you're training as far as like weightlifting or even with a business, you know, or even just think about, you know, success and how you want your family to look and not just in the other. It also helps with survival situations. So the more and more you visualize it, the more and more it seems a little familiar and you're less surprised when things happen. Okay. So when this happened, I'm like, okay, now. I've got my little power station over here. What do we, okay, food-wise, we're good. i got a camping stove, so we can make coffee, tea. Just getting something. You don't understand how you can appreciate take, drinking something or eating something warm in your body when it's really, really cold. Like, you look at a cup of coffee in a totally different light in those situations, you know, and it's just so funny because when you're buying all these things or whatever, I know some of you folks out there, if you were to do that in the beginning, if your spouse is not truly on board with it, they were like, why are you buying all this stuff? Why are you buying camping stuff? We're in the middle of a city and you don't even camp. And but then something like this happens, you're like, oh, I get it. So it got to the point where my wife's like, God, I just want a cup of coffee right now. I was like, hmm, okay. So I go out to the truck and I get the camping stove, bring it in, make some coffee. And then like, you can just see, I don't know, it's almost like it was a glimmer of hope and the frustration was gone for her, you know, and yeah. she's like, oh, okay, there's some, this may not be as bad as I thought. And I'm just sitting there like, yeah, well, since we're here, let's just go ahead and make a, a pot of soup while we're at it. So at least that'll warm us up, you know, since we have no, no central heating and air at this point. So, but again, it just makes me really look at the supplies that I had and test them out because you know, of course, the bare minimum that you tell people, especially when they're in cities and things like that, urban areas, you say have a minimum of 72 hours of food, you know, and supplies. Well, this situation kind of woke people up like 72 hours is not enough. You want to do a little bit more than that. But there's it can happen to anybody because the one thing about this whole Arctic blast and well, tropical well, winter storm, Yuri, as they call it, we didn't even know it had a damn name because why? We didn't have TV. <laughs> There's no TV to watch, no news to watch. Why, and, why is, majority, why, and most why, people are so prehistoric now. I mean, I mean, some people are so like on modern technology, so they didn't have their phones 
and they didn't have TV, so a lot of them didn't even know what was going on. I'm a dude yeah. that still has a battery-operated radio, and I have it just for reasons for this, because that same battery-operated radio has helped me get through Hurricane Ike, Hurricane Harvey, and now this whole winter storm, because I'm able to listen to talk radio, listen to what's going on out there, and and just kind of get an idea of what's going on in the world since you can't travel and see anything. So, people, that's something very simple. You can find it, get you, get a radio that operates on batteries. Keep a supply of batteries and check the expiration date on it. Put it in your phone on the calendar or write it on a paper calendar. You know, those things, they still exist because at the beginning of the year, your insurance company always gives it to you. So take that and circle that expiration date for those batteries or, you know, or put it in your phone and therefore just change them out about a week before they expire and just keep rotating it like that. And the same thing with canned goods and non-perishables as well. You know, so you just kind of look at the date, even your water. If you're buying bottled water or whatever else, you know, look at the date. They have an expiration date, believe it or not. So look at that and just rotate them out, but stack up on, on water. You know, yeah, we want to take care of the environment and not buy plastic or whatever, but there are times where it's not time to be all, you know, on, on the green energy plan. <laughs> Sometimes you got to survive. And so especially if you're not consuming those every day or whatever, but store them, be ready to go. You know, you can get a bob, which is like this big, giant, flat, like plastic, like balloon almost that you can fill up with water. Like, especially when you're about to deal with a hurricane where you think that you're going to have a water issue, you can fill, put that thing in your tub and fill it up, you know, so therefore you have water on backup. And again, you've heard me mention this quite a few times, you know, especially in the past year since I bought one, get that Berkey filter in your life. And when you know something's coming up like this, you know, they have glass containers and all this other stuff. Fill it up, fill it up, fill all those up, and then fill that Berkey up. And even if your water is a little contaminated or whatever from the faucet, hey, you've got that filter. And if your water's running, then you can fill that thing up and you're pretty much almost good to go. You know, at least 99.99% of, of contaminants are filtered out. <clears throat> so it's a good investment to have. But definitely keep a lot of candles on hand, you know, lighters, matches. Again, like I said about the water, baby wipes are your best friend. Baby wipes are your best friend on a daily basis. If you're still sitting around wiping your ass with toilet paper only, you're filthy. Because <laughs> do you understand how absorbent toilet paper is? And when you're wiping your butt, that is getting on your hands. And I've been in public restrooms where some of you guys have done that. You've gone and <laughs> you didn't use a urinal. You did the other thing. And you w- sat there, you flushed, and you walked your ass right out of the bathroom. You're gross. Okay, so... So that being said, just depending on toilet paper is not enough. Get baby wipes because they're multi-purpose, purposeful. So not only are you having that for using the restroom, but the fact that you don't have water and you can take a shower, well, you can take a baby wipe bath and wipe what's important. Okay, so there, so stock up on those. Um, you want to keep surface wipes. Again, like I said, you want to keep all, you know, make sure you're fully supplied with all the batteries that you need. And Stock up on food that doesn't need to be cooked. Peanut butter is your friend. Honey is your friend. Get bread. You understand, man, like how all those things can help you out. Uh, flashlights. Like basically that was our power source for like three, four days. I have these flashlights that I keep in my backpack, my go bag or whatever. And they really earn, they were, I got them for like seven bucks and they were probably, these are probably the best cheap flashlights I've ever had because they were pretty much on almost 24 hours, you know, during all of this. And they, they were just running off Duracells. They run off a double A battery. 
and I use them for everything in the lumens. I think it's like 500 lumens, which is the brightness of, of the bulb, pretty much would light up the, the entire area where we were sitting. So, again, kind of bringing some type of normalcy of stock. You know, make sure you got blankets, you know, and comforters, and make sure that your pets have dry dog food or cat food as well, or seeds if you have birds or things like that, or gerbils. You know, you want to have those dry goods that are not going to perish for your animals as well. Make sure that they have blankets or, you know, let's say bedding that's going to keep them warm and just try to keep them as normal as possible because they didn't ask for this, this, um, this human type issues that they have to deal with, especially because you domesticated them. They're not prepared for this now. So they have no idea. Um, you know, most important though is to definitely have a positive attitude because you can only control what you can control. So getting pissed off that the lights are off, whatever is not going to turn them back on. It's not everybody can't get so angry that it creates a power source of anger, you know, around the country that, that lights up the power, the, the power grid. So attitude is everything. So the biggest thing is when you visualize to my again, taken from Tito Ortiz to my prepare for the worst and the best will always happen. OK, so and most people are like, oh, it's, it's very that's such a simplistic way of thinking things. Well, it is and it's not, because when you prepare for the worst, then. When it's just a fan, you pretty much have somewhat of a plan to deal with it. Whereas when somebody thinks that life is hunky-dory and it's always going to be, lights are always going to be on, they're always going to have running water, which is some of the most Western privileged things, the ways of thinking. <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm always going to have food, clothing, and shelter. You know, and then when you are devoid of any of those things, they feel like it's the end of the world. Like, oh, my God, you know, how are we going to get through this? Well, the same way humans have been getting through it for like millennia, you deal with it, you know, you hope for the best. So it's the in-between time is where you prepare. So you get them the right mindset. You, you, somebody, and you don't have to do all this stuff. You don't have to buy all these things at one time. Yes, I know a lot of us are hurting, you know, as far financially after this pandemic this past year or whatever. So no one's saying go out and turn to, you know, a prepper reality show in one day and just go all out. But just little things at a time. Every time you go to the grocery store, you know, buy some things that you're actually going to store and not eat right away or or use right away. Just, you know, and like I said, no one says become a hoarder either, that you just overdo it and you can't even function moving your house or your garage. You know, just really do it according to where you are and what fits you. But and also another thing to keep in mind, always have a, a viable first aid kit and trauma kit. There's a difference between the two. You know, so you always want to have that because things happen. You had quite a few people that died during this thing, man, you know, from carbon monoxide poisoning to fires. And things can go bump in the night during this, even when it's night, 24 hours a day. You want to have things to prepare for that as well, especially if you have children or a significant other, you know, or you never know when you might be the person that can help your neighbor when they're injured from something, you know, trying to go up in the attic to, you know, gather some supplies that have been stored and they fall because it's dark, you know, and then next thing you know, they... They sprang a joint or broken a bone or cut themselves and they're bleeding profusely. And you already know that, first of all, all the first responders are going to be overextended during that time period. And the roads are anything like they were for us. They might even make it out. They might not even come out there to you. But there was a situation. There was one day where in one day there were over, I believe, over 40 calls that the fire department had to attend to during that thing in one day in 
the fourth largest city in America. So you know that they were overextended. Plus, at the same time, they're trying to keep people off the roads. You have the National Guard. You had all that. So, yeah, when you when you go to Barnes & Noble and you see that magazine off-grid and you see some of the articles in there and you read them and you think, oh, that can never happen. Well, a lot of that happened this, during that week here in Texas. And so now you look at magazines like that, you can appreciate them because they give a lot of good tips um, as well. But it was, like I said, it was an experience, and I got to test out some things, and I got to see where I had some holes that need to be filled as far as supplies and things, you know, being prepared for, let's say, an extended period of time. But at the same time, at the end of the day, while all this is going, I'm like, well, we're not dying. Okay, we're getting through this. We still have food. You know, we still have shelter. We still have clothing. And the beautiful thing about it happening in the wintertime, we could just keep, we could keep putting more and more clothes on. You know, it sucks when you lose power in the middle of summer in Texas, like in July, or August. There's only so much you can take off before you become a felon. Okay, so so it's, it's, that was a thing that was beneficial at that time. But again, never shortchange the power of Mother Nature, and never shortchange the the ineptitude of your public officials who are trying to be cheap so they can have more money for themselves, and they skimp out at your you know at your at your demise. So always keep that in mind because a lot of this was not just Mother Nature. Mother Nature probably added to this probably for the first few days, but then it became more of some corporate and political bullshit after that because those rolling blackouts, that came from um, a governor, a Texas governor trying to be a cheap ass and trying to avoid regulations by not being on the other power grids around the country and going with ERCOT and and – as with anything in life, you get what you pay for. Okay. So when you try to skimp out on some things just to save a dollar or two and try to put more money in your pocket, you know, keep in mind, look at the quality of that. You're going to get what you pay for. So this was some cheap ish right here and we paid for it. So, so there's going to be a lot of heads rolling from this, of course. But now I just say this for those of you guys who live up north or live in other countries where you've had harsher winters or whatever. Learn from our mistakes, because even if you've dealt with harsher winters, think about hurricanes. Think about the opposite of what you normally deal with. Right. So think about hurricanes. Think about monsoons. Think about heat waves. Think about how you prepare for those things, because they can happen. I mean, think about earthquakes. You've had within the last 10 years, you had earthquakes all the way in Ireland and even in Washington, D.C. None of those places are anywhere near California and a fault line. Okay, so you've had hurricanes hit the East Coast, like all the way up to New York and New Jersey, where Hurricane Sandy not too long ago. You know, again, they weren't prepared for that. No, we didn't sit there like, oh, man, y'all acting like some pussies right now. You can't deal with a hurricane. We deal with it all the time down in Texas. No, we were like, what can we do to help? (laughs) You know, because we've been there and we're there a lot. So, again, Again, whatever you feel like you're prepared for, you deal with all the time. Think about the opposite and ask yourself, how prepared are you for that? Because these days it can happen. You know, whether it be, whether you're on the global warming train or not, it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, nature can just, just do what the hell it wants. It doesn't care what you label it as and whether you believe in it or not, it's going to do what it does. And the thing is, what are you prepared to do when it does do what it wants to do? So that's, that's how I sum that up. So again, Preparedness is key. Prepare for the worst, and, and then, you know, hopefully you'll get the best when it comes from that. Yeah, good deal, man. You know what? You know what? The best preparation for me was for any of this kind of stuff. All those camping trips where I was stuck with my parents. 
Somebody on top of that, and then all those, not just the camping trips, but then all those times that you visited Africa. Because I'm sure they're looking like, oh, you had no power? Okay, and, you know, whereas I think, I think that's one of the things that kind of helped my wife get through because, you know, she's been in Africa for a whole month and stayed, you know, stayed in Uganda, you know, and then there would be times where, you know, there was no power or there'd be parts of Africa where, you know, just like you said, it just randomly just goes out, you know, and having to go out and use the bathroom and dig a hole and having to wipe with leaves. So she's been through all that stuff. So it's just like, I think the American exceptionalism probably was there for about five minutes, but then she reflected back on that. And she's like, ah, I've been in worse, you know, but I think just coming off of being ill for a few weeks before that, it was just kind of like, damn dude, can I get a break? <laughs> it's like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I felt in 2019 when I had that nasty groin injury and then I, I went to physical therapy for a month. I got stem cell shots and I was just getting back in the swing of things. I was 90% recovered. I'm getting back into the swing of my physical training. And then I get hit by that flu, which yeah. was very COVID-like. I was out for two weeks. Yeah. I was like, damn, man. And then it took a while <laughs> to get – I mean, that took a long time to get over, six months before my respiratory system felt normal. So I get it. I get it. When those when those calamities happen in pairs or triples or more, right? it, it, it can be kind of demoralizing. That that definitely took a toll on me mentally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, man. But um, it was an experience. It was an experience. And what's funny is, you know, as we're recording this today, it's like a week later. It yeah. is 75 degrees. I am in T-shirts and a, sh- in, in a pair of shorts and flip-flops, okay. as it's if last week didn't those, even happen. Those kind of swings are wild. It reminds me of when I taught a course in Dayton, Ohio one time, and it was freezing out there. And this was early in my career. So this was before Dayton? Yeah, this is before I started booking venues. because I already oh, My courses, I always did everything on my own. I would book the venues. I would take care of all the registrations, and then I would teach the course. But this is early in my career. So the venue was a park, which normally is not a big deal. But the weather just turned for the worse that day, and it was windy, and it was cold, and people could barely hear me. I had a really shout when I was talking. Right. During the breaks, everybody would go into their car and turn the heat up. That's how <laughs> that was. And I realized after that course, like, okay, I need to start forking out some bucks for right. – or I can't, I can't afford to travel to another place and just hope the weather is, in, is favorable because there's, there's leaving too much the chance. I had courses in L.A. where I used to teach in a park, and it just happened to rain that day, and then I would have to reschedule for the next week. So anyway, I graduated to better courses. But I bring this story up because I remember I was freezing my ass off all day, and then I like to fly home after the course. I'm not someone who sticks around for several days, especially if it's Dayton, Ohio. Right? <laughs> That's all like Dayton? <laughs> Two hours later, flying home. I'm in Los Angeles, where I used to live at that time, that night. And it was super warm out. The weather's perfect. And I I just in my head, I'm thinking, God, what a crazy contrast. Four hours ago, I was freezing my ass off in (laughs) Dayton, Ohio. Now I'm back home in Los Angeles and I'm walking around with shorts on. It's just wild. Those kind of those kind of contrasts can just really mess with you. Even with international traveling, it would be like that sometimes you wake up in London and before the day's over, you're back in Vegas. You're like, man, you feel like you were never in London. The whole thing feels like a dream. The whole thing is wild. And even that was weird because, like, um, when the first time my wife and I went to Paris together, and you know, one minute—I mean, it's this is like the beginning of November at that time. In Texas, November fall is just kicking in. Okay, right. so mind you, like, it's pretty much like the weather is today. It was like about seventy degrees. So just packing is already annoying. Trying to figure out like what you're gonna have to wear over there. But then it's just a travel to there. So 
you're like, oh, it's hot. I don't want to have to put on some pants and a long sleeve, you know, as I'm going to the airport and about to get on the plane. But you, you kind of have to. So you're, so you're kind of uncomfortable going to the airport. You're kind of hot. You know, it's a little sweaty or whatever. Then you get on a plane. You just, you're happy that the air is coming on. Except when you're sitting next to a, a lady that's had Indian food and she's gassy as hell. You know, so you know, she sits there for nine hours farting the entire time. But that's another story. So you definitely want the air. But anyway, yeah, that actually happened. And so you sit there and then. Nine hours later, you touch down in Paris, and here you are. It's 30 degrees, <laughs> and it's a different type of 30 degrees than a Houston 30 degrees. So it's like cutting, like it was. You could feel it to the bone. It's right up there between a New York 30 and a Chicago 30, because when the wind blew, it felt like Chicago's 30. And a Chicago 30 degrees sucks, <laughs> sucks, sucks, sucks. In fact, anywhere by those Great Lakes. It sucks because I've been in like Cleveland during that during the winter time too. Anything that's coming off the Great Lakes sucks ass when it comes to cold weather, and that's what it was feeling like in Paris. Now, what's crazy is we were in Paris for like half the week, and it was cold as hell, which is a oxymoron. We were talking about all these phrases that make no damn sense, Mike. You know, it was cold as hell. Yeah, okay. So anyway, it was really cold, and then like a few days later, we went to Rome, and then Rome felt like Houston before we left. Rome is like beautiful and it's sunny. It's 70 degrees, almost like Paris never happened. And that was like a two hour flight to, to Rome. And so now we got to change wardrobe again and adjust to the, the season. So it's so crazy that you have to go through all that. And then, of course, coming back, you got to go through that again because we're flying back to Paris and then heading back to Texas. So it's just trying to adjust all that is so crazy. So I can see why some people get sick. If you're not that healthy, then that could take a toll on your body just trying to adjust all these extreme changes in temperature. So, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Suffice it to say though, everybody is funny because kids are outside playing. It's almost like I said, it's almost like that week never, never even happened right now. Everybody's back to the normal lives for the most part, for those especially have like water and everything else. There's still some people without it, but yeah, it's kind of like, like what a difference a week makes. <laughs> so crazy. Yeah, it really is. I mean, when this when this whole pandemic is eventually over and people start going back to concerts and movies and traveling, a couple of months of that, and it's going to feel like the pandemic never happened. Exactly. I mean, it'll, it'll take a while, but eventually, it's going to get people are going to get relaxed again. And well, people like, get over it quickly. I mean, let's let's just look at take it back to nine eleven. You know, we just thought like, oh, things are going to be, you know, it's never going to be the same. I mean, well, yeah, it wasn't the same as far as our privacy, you know, and all these things that we gave up. Just to right. feel better, you know, but not that those any of those things really would have stopped anything. Yeah, we look at that in hindsight. But of course, when people are, they're in the mix of a situation, they're just like they just want it to be over with and they don't want it to happen again. You know? Right. So and that's pretty much how this pandemic is. People just want it to be over with and don't want to deal with it again. And then they just, you kind of just don't even want to think about it anymore. So when something seems like it's just a tad bit normal again, you're like, you're going all in with it. Like, okay, I'm, it's kind of like this song that Luke, um, Luke Combs has. He's a country artist. He has a song called Six Feet Apart. And basically he's just talking about, you know, what he's going to do when the pandemic is over. You know, it's just like going to a restaurant and, you know, take some friends out and leaving the biggest tip that you can, you know, for the servers and, you know, going to a movie theater and going to a baseball game and all these different things where he's just going to go all out 
just do this, do all this stuff because you haven't really been able to do that in this past year. And yeah, you just want, cause you just want to get back to feeling normal again and do all those things that you took for granted that you had access to that you've been deprived of for the past year. So, well, even, even now, even now people are still taking things for granted. I mean, look at this, just the situation you were in with Texas. A lot of people are thinking, man, I can't wait for this pandemic to over, to be, to get, to be over because they want things to improve, not thinking of the opposite, that things can get a lot worse too. Just because, <laughs> right. we're, just because we're dealing with the pandemic doesn't mean that other problems are taking a break. It's like, well, we're not going to have inclement weather now because everyone's dealing with the pandemic or we're not going to have, Another catastrophe happened because no, the pandemics, the, it's just one at a time. Now, catastrophes often happen in, in multiples. Well, I mean, hell, just look at like right now, even in the midst of the pandemic, just when you think like, oh, the vaccines are rolling out. And then all of a sudden it's like Ebola is now reared his ugly head again. Ebola's like, oh, you're not going to sit there and take my limelight, COVID. <laughs> so now e- Ebola's coming back again. You know, the, the numbers are going up, especially in the continent where the, it seems like there weren't as many COVID cases other than South Africa. So now it seemed like Africa was that one place, especially during the beginning of the pandemic. It seemed like nothing was really happening there. So now Ebola's like, don't worry about that. I got this. Don't worry about the COVID. I got this whole continent. This is what I do. <laughs> okay. So, so you got that coming. Then you got like the various strains of it, you know, of, of, of uh, COVID coming. And then, like I said, you got all these other natural disasters happening. And so it's like you're saying, it's like, look, man, as the phrase goes, when it rains, it pours. But it's up to you to go buy the damn umbrella. Okay. So that's what you got to think about. They need to go ahead and finish. They need to complete that phrase. And not just leave it at when it rains, it pours. Yeah. So what are you going to do about it? So if you know it's going to happen. So, yeah, man, it's like I said, it's been a, it's been an experience, been an experience. But again, keeps life interesting. (laughs) <laughs> say that much yeah first the raid on the capital now this <laughs> exactly and it's like dude we're, my, we're just we're just now at this point when this comes out we just <laughs> we just made it to march damn you know but what's crazy was a year ago same thing it's like the beginning of january right after new year's eve they took out that 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 iranian general or whatever and right. then of course they were pissed off at us and seemed like oh this could start a, a war or a conflict and all the stuff going on with Syria. And then just a, a couple of weeks later, you know, here we go. You start seeing these senators on both sides of the aisle all of a sudden selling all these stocks <laughs> and just like, OK, what is that about? And then you see all these CEOs <laughs> stepping down from all these corporations, you know, right around the same time. Like, what the hell is that about? And then they yeah. say, you know, and Ted Cruz decided to go on vacation to Mexico right in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> so you had that and yeah so yeah just even talking about that with this situation you know everybody was pissed off that ted cruz went to mexico but nobody was pissed off that joe biden was playing mario kart with his grandkids while texas was going through all that and then it took him a whole week to declare it a, a, a state of emergency like no well, one's well, like i said give it to cut. everybody if you're going to give yeah, it you're going to dish it out blame put it on every water. one of them you know? Right. No, no, no doubt. We have the godfather, Mario Cuomo. Chris, oh, my gosh. <laughs> who's is it Chris Cuomo or is it? Yeah, no, it's, it's, well, Chris Cuomo lied about having having COVID. Yeah, you know, that's he, the CNN guy. He, he lied. Yeah, he lied about being in the basement, but he's out running and jogging all week long. <laughs> so the Cuomo brothers are, are just trash. OK, straight up. No, his brother, the governor, you know, the, the grand the grandma, grandpa killer. 
you know, putting people with COVID in the nursing homes or whatever. And yeah. Right. Like and the whole I remember in Vegas during the shutdown when it first happened, no one could get a haircut, right? Every, all the barber shops were closed. Now I just paid my barber to come over to my house and cut my hair in the garage. I wasn't about to look old disheveled like the rest of these motherfuckers <laughs> in my neighborhood. But anyway, I would, I'm not looking like Slash and Guns N' Roses by the time this thing is <laughs> over. Right? I know what my hair looks like when it grows too long. <laughs> You know, it's one stage that just gets worse as it progresses. But the police were out there enforcing this, right? But at the same time, they were hiring barbers to cut their hair. And oh, exactly. Look, you got to look at the optics of this. You got a guy with a fresh haircut arresting someone for getting a haircut or giving it. Like, hey, man, especially like the black house, like, hey, man, your lineup is the <laughs> man. Like, how did you cut your own hair doing? He's like, nah, man. Wait, 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 wait. I'm over here with like this baby afro and you got this nice edge up with a fade and I can't, I can't go see my barber. (laughs) Well, the, the the celebrities cracked me up because clearly they were focused on the optics. They didn't want to look like they were like, they didn't have preferential treatment or access to it. I mean, look, Trevor Noah could have gotten a haircut. Okay. He doesn't have to have, he didn't have to let his hair grow out the whole time. If I could, if I found a way to get a haircut, he could have, (laughs) but these guys get at the office. I've been cutting my own. But then you got like, Nancy Pelosi's like, nah, I'm going to get my hair done. But yeah, you forgot about the security cameras, dingbat. <laughs> well, then you, watching had, you, you, had the, you had the governor in California who had that, that party at a restaurant. Yeah, exactly. Of 12 people. Or you got, you got Anthony Fauci at a baseball game with his mask off. I'm like, dude. Right, right. right. Do you there's not so think there are cameras many, around? <laughs> yeah. There's so many examples. It cracks me up. But but Newsom went telling everybody not to go to restaurants, exactly. stay home. He's been having a party. With 12 people, no masks on. They're all sitting next to each other indoors. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, like like, like I said, dude, I was still my wife. But especially during the whole little black eye. So, you know what? No one should ever in this country try to say anything about third world countries. I said, America right now is so... Fucking ghetto. Okay, it's straight yeah. up. You, in fact, they better even say anything about anybody in the ghetto in America because the whole country is ghetto right now and it's run by slumlords. Okay, so we, this whole country is the hood right now because we've, we're being, we're being directed and guided by slumlords who just don't care. I don't care what color suit they put on, whether it's red or blue or purple, it doesn't matter. They, to my, they is the, not me with most of them. Okay, they are elite no matter what, no matter how they claim to be for the little guy. No, they're not. <laughs> they're not. They're not. So that's I one mean, thing I think we should all be able to agree on as the people that none of these folks truly give an F about any of us. And that's good. Who cares? Because if we're all looking out for each other, we don't need them. You know, and that's right. one thing I will give up. You know, I will say, you know, during this time that Texas, this is not the first rodeo for us, you know, when it comes to these disasters. We don't necessarily sit around and wait for the government to give, send FEMA or whatever. Let's talk about FEMA, first of all. FEMA did not show up until about six days, five or six days after the snow shit started, okay, with generators. And they didn't even send, like, enough people. You know, the, the ones that were here were, like, the Texas National Guard, and they were helping keep people off the roads. Okay, but a lot of them are already in place anyway because they've been here helping administer the vaccines and everything. So, but FEMA didn't show up till the end of the week, you know. So, and 
It's so funny how during most disasters, you can't help but see the Red Cross everywhere. And text this, this to the Red Cross, blah, blah, blah. Not this time, which I'm not necessarily disagreeing with. I'm just like, there's still a lot of money that the Red Cross got from Hurricane Katrina that people still have not seen. And Hurricane Ike and Hurricane Harvey. So, if, again, if you go to Charity Navigator, you'll see why Mike and I are really not that keen on the Red Cross. So I'll say what I say about them, and I don't care. You know, just go and look at the stats and, you know, look how they roll. So I could care less. Uh, but one thing I will give up to people locally. That's, 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 a, that's an area of concern. But like you said, there, there are times when these organizations are definitely useful. Yeah. So it's one thing I'll say about the people there, you know, so many people helped each other out. Like if you, it was good to see whenever I was able to get online, like to look at the Houston Reddit group, how people were like, there were people stepping up like they worked like downtown and pretty much they only had, you know, most of the business, all businesses were shut down, but there were people saying, Hey, if you guys need water, I will go to, you know, meet me at my job, you know, downtown and I'll use my key card to the bathroom, you know, in our, in our office building. So you guys can come in and get water, you know, little things like that. Or people are saying like, Hey man, these restaurants are open, which my wife made a joke. You know, she, 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 she had an interesting observation and somebody on Reddit had the same thing like, Hey, so these are the following, you know, this restaurant is open. Um, there's this Mediterranean restaurant open. Then there's this Indian restaurant open. They all have food and they have water and yada, yada. He goes, why is it that the, the only businesses open during this, you know, when all the others are shut down or like all the ethnic restaurants, all the ethnic run restaurants. And we were laughing because our pizza place was open. And I mean, we've we got slammed with because there's no no other places were open like that Wednesday. Mm. And that's when we, we were able to open because we had power. And so, you know, people were like, hey, just trying to get food where they could because they couldn't cook. You know, they didn't have any you know electricity. So we were just laughing. My wife goes, yeah, you know, my wife is half Lebanese, half Egyptian, for those that don't know. She's like, yeah, that's the thing about it. She's like, you know, best believe that, they, you know, Arabs are going to open up. <laughs> they're going to, they're not going to close. I said, well, I mean, that's the same thing with a lot of Asian restaurants during Christmas time. When American restaurants are closed for the holidays, Asian restaurants are like, nah, we're good. We're going to open up. And most people welcome that because they're tired of eating stuffing and turkey and being around their relatives or whatever else. So I said, but I, I, I really think that that comes down to, a lot of ethnic owned businesses, a lot of them are a lot of the owners or workers have come from far more deplorable conditions before they got to America. So for them, this is like water off a duck's back to them. And they're like, I've, they've dealt with worse. That's the reason why they came here. And they're also not a, most are not afraid of hard work and going through an uncomfortable situation to take care of themselves as well as others. And, you know, really, you know, utilizing that business to, you know, give good customer service. So I said, I said, I think that's the difference compared to most of us who were born and raised in America, you know? So I said, so there's, I feel like that's the difference because there's a culture built around hard work with most ethnic groups that come to America or their parents came here. And even if you are a first generation, your parents still, for the most part, stayed on your ass to work hard. And, you know, and you're here now. You have no excuses. We busted our ass to get you here. And so, therefore, you don't have to deal with all this. But your, your ass is still going to learn how to work hard. You know, you've been, they've been doing that. Majority have been doing this since they were kids, even if they were born here. So there's the difference, I feel, in that situation. But thank goodness for that melting pot and, and having all these different cultures come here and make it. Because in situations like this, they help us out.
And it makes you really question a lot of the things that people say about other cultures or whatever. I was like, look, dude, at the end of the day, if we're not all in power or whatever, we're all in the same boat and should all be looking out for each other some way, somehow. And if we're feeling like, oh, those that look like you are more exceptional or just because you were born here or the fact that you speak this language or whatever else, that makes you better than anyone else or someone has to be just like you. Like, how about actually coming to the table and seeing what focus more on the similarities that you have instead of all the differences? And that's just my opinion, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think situations like this show the importance of trying to be as self-reliant as possible, and that's multifaceted, and then also being as generous as possible, because not everyone is going to have the same level of self-reliance no matter how hard they try. Everyone needs help in certain situations. So I've had people help me when I needed help. I'm happy to help other people when they need help. And that shouldn't be something that is even, that should just come naturally. That that shouldn't be something where it's like, well, I don't want to help anyone, but I'm going to, I'm going to make myself do it. Yeah, so it's, it's, <laughs> it's, a, it shouldn't be like a chore where you're going, you should, people are suffering. You, there should be an innate need to want to help people that are suffering. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it should be, I mean, it's really up to you, you know, but you should think about it as the oxygen mask, you know, way of doing things on a plane. When it comes down, you know, take care of yourself first. You get the oxygen first before you give to someone else. But once you get that oxygen, then you take care of the person next to you, you know, help them out. So this is no different. You know, take care of yourself because you're no good to anyone if you're all jacked up, you know, and you're hurt or whatever. But then once you do that, if you can help, if do if you can do something, then do it. Please, because you look, man, no one ever felt shitty while helping someone out during that time. Now, I can see if people turn on you and don't appreciate it, you know, but I'm sure in a situation like what we're speaking about, oh, people are going to appreciate it. I'm not saying about those times that you loaned, you know, you know, over a thousand dollars, you know, and multiple times to your cousin who was trying to make his first rap album. That's different. <laughs> it's like you knew damn well that dude had no skills. So I don't know why you were enabling him by giving him money. So, so yeah, you should be pissed off about that. And that's not about being pissed off at your cousin for not making it. It's being pissed off at yourself because you knew he sucked. But at the same time. <laughs> or that, or that same, or that brother that keeps starting all these new businesses, but they end up shutting down after three months. But he keeps needing business loans from you. He keeps borrowing money from you. There's a reason why he's borrowing money from you. He can't get a loan at a bank because the bank knows this dude sucks at as a business person. There's nothing about this person that says, I'm going to be a good business owner. I'm going to be able to take this money from you and build it up and pay you back with interest. They see that. But you're like, oh, it's my brother. I got to look. I'm like, no, don't enable him. So that's way different okay? because you know he sucks. Very rarely is spraying the money hose useful for anyone anyway. Exactly. So anytime I've ever given people money, they don't do anything useful with it. It just goes to waste. Now, a better a better usage would have been someone's trying to start a business. They keep failing. Let's evaluate why that keeps happening. Exactly. Let's up some strategies. Let's, let's put some opportunities in place to get this thing moving, not just spray the money hose and hope for the best. It's like, look, if someone's failed in three businesses – <laughs> why, why is the fourth going to be any difference? It's not like, like that. that motherfucker is not getting any money for a B. You, can, you, you have a track record of failure. And now you're hey saying it's finally going to hit. I don't think so. This is the equivalent of like, I, I can understand who kept marrying Elizabeth Taylor. Like, dude, she's failed five <laughs> marriages. What makes you think number six is going to be the one? <laughs> 
Okay. <laughs> well, Larry King, rest in peace, same thing. Seven marriages, something crazy like that. <laughs> well, well, you he, wonder, I why, mean, wonder why he keeps getting why he kept getting married. I go, look, just be with the woman, all right? <laughs> right. Marry. You know, I mean, I'm sure it was mainly the women who wanted it, given it right. King. <laughs> But still, if Larry should have been like, look, I've tried this marriage bullshit, all right? It doesn't work for me. He's like, I suck at it, okay? <laughs> He's like, I'm just looking for a companion, okay? Nothing more, nothing less. We can sign whatever paperwork. You don't have to be married to do that anymore. It's it's a whole new era, okay? You don't have to do the whole getting married thing anymore. So, right, right. Yeah, either that or he had a turnover where he's like, okay, You've now reached the age of 35. You've now outlasted your purpose with me. I got to keep him at a certain age so I can keep moving at a certain age. <laughs> <laughs> well, the best are guys in rock bands who, who marry four strippers in a row and then they wonder why it didn't work out. And they all look exactly the same. I go, exactly. The same woman. Like the third wife looks exactly like the second and the first. It's like, like, damn, dude, are you, did you marry the sisters? Did you? Get, <laughs> is, is that her sister, man? That's gross. And same exact personality, too. The same exact personality traits that didn't work out before. And then right. it's new and exciting with the same fucking personality traits. But you can't. You, but you ask yourself, I don't, I don't know why these don't work out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, buddy. <laughs> so, yeah, man. Like, dude, just, just be a rock dude. Just stop. If you're going to live that lifestyle, then go all out. <laughs> What's interesting is when people come back around, like Jean-Claude Van Damme, he was married to a woman, and she was a good fit for him. But he went he went through that crazy phase where he's just having a really good time, him and Mickey Rourke. But he eventually ended up going back to his first wife many years later. I want to say yeah. well over 10 years later. And they're still together. So sometimes people just have to go through it. They just have to go yeah. through shit. They, they, they just, you know, they enter, they enter into the situation a little too soon. It's kind of like right. the stock market. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes you end up getting into a stock way too early before this, before this, that sector takes off, before there's an actual need for it in the market. And then you're looking and it's just crashing, crashing, crashing. You're like, ah, oh, F this. And then you sell out, you sell it. And then six months, a year later, all of a sudden it's the hot stock. Everybody's onto it or whatever. And now it's viable. You know, now they've proven themselves in the market that there's a need for it. And you look at yourself, then you look at the price of it and you're like, I got in that one. It's like fifty cents. Now it's like sixty dollars. What the hell, man? You know, sometimes you just you get in too soon. <laughs> so, same thing. With a lot of sometimes people are just not ready for marriage and just being committed to one person. You know, and it's okay if you're not ready. Come on, admit that so you don't waste someone else's time and you don't end up wasting a lot of money <laughs> because you know being hasty is it, it, it can cost you. It can be expensive. So, and no matter what situation you're in. So, yeah, big John Claude Van Damme. <laughs> so, someone the other day was trying to tell me that he's 5'2. I go, no, dude, he's not 5'2. He may not be, he's not six feet tall. And I know for a fact he's not 5'2 because Carol met him. Carol used to work at this chiropractor's office who worked on all the celebrities in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And Van Damme came in one day and she said he was short, but she didn't say he was that. She didn't say he was shorter than her. Okay? Yeah, like he, he wasn't Tom Cruise short. Well, lady, <laughs> if he were 5'2, I would have heard about that a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. I saw him in Arsenio Hall too, okay? He wasn't that much shorter than Arsenio. Yeah, yeah. Arsenio's tall. <laughs> Yeah, he wasn't half his height. All right, <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't Danny DeVito. Okay, like, 
<laughs> well, that was my joke. I go, are there any white guys that are that short? Does that even exist? You know, because I go, that's usually an Asian thing, right? <laughs> and then I thought of Danny DeVito later. I mean, this was the other day I'm walking along. I'm like, oh, yeah, Danny DeVito. <laughs> yeah, they do have one of them. <laughs> And then, of course, Teddy DeVito is married to Rhea Perlman, yep. who's around his height. I go, oh, that's a perfect pair. Smart man. Together, you're like, this is perfect. <laughs> you, you, like, you know, you know, I don't even have to know anything about them. If I just saw a picture, I'd be like, oh, yeah, those two are made for each other. <laughs> yeah, you know, rarely you see these anomalies like, let's take, like, back in the day, Jermaine Dupree. You know, when he was dating Janet Jackson. And Janet Jackson's not tall. But right. Jermaine Dupree is way shorter than Janet Jackson. So <laughs> it, it was just odd. He ended up making, he made Janet look like she was Michael. Because Michael's, he was pretty tall. Michael's, I think, at least six, like six oh, feet. Oh, really? I didn't know that. We know he was that yeah. tall. So, so, but with <laughs> Jermaine Dupree next to Janet, she looked like she was just as tall as her brother. <laughs> so. <laughs> it was just so odd because that's the time I was working in the industry, just seeing them together at events. I'm like, man, it's just, it's just so odd to look at. Like, not to say that there aren't other couples like that, but just this, like Jermaine Dupree always looked like this little kid with too much facial hair. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, have, I have a really good friend from high school and he's in a relationship now, but he was, he was just having a good time for many years. I, I, I reconnected with him maybe back in 2012. He came out to Vegas and he would always bring out a different woman with him. Now, every yeah. single, uh, all of these women had one thing in common. They were all super tall. They were all six feet tall, yeah. 5'11 or taller. I was, I was like, wow, one of these girls was six feet tall and she had heels on. I'm looking up at her the whole time. And I'm, <laughs> I'm six feet myself. So it's rare that I'm looking up at someone, right. especially a woman when we're talking. But his strategy, I always thought it was a smart strategy because these were all good looking women. But a lot of times when women are tall like that, Guys are intimidated or they don't want to be short. They don't oh, yeah. want to be the short guy. And so these women don't get hit on as much as a result of that. Yep. So he well, he targeted those women. He, he had a very high success rate because he's a charismatic guy. He's a good-looking guy. He's a cool guy. And just the fact that he even made the first move well, already worked. That, that already exudes confidence, which yeah. a lot of women love. Yeah. So much. That's why so many ugly guys have beautiful women because he has nothing to lose. Right. <laughs> It's like he he actually tried. He actually asked. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And a lot of times, women tell you like, just just talk to me. You know, just ask. You know, you want right. to go out, just do it. No games. No trying to come up with these pickup lines that you picked up from YouTube universities, relationship guru. You know, none of that. It's just like, just be a real person because that's at the end of the day, majority of people that's who they rather be with a real person, not this caricature of themselves or somebody trying to play the role of someone they've seen or heard on TV or the radio or something like that. Right. So just be real, you know, and that's it. And sometimes again, it sounds so simple that it can't be true, but it really is that simple. Now it may not work all the time, but you know what? You get to eat for effort. <laughs> you well, make- no one's gonna. I mean, no one's gonna hit nine out of ten or ten out of ten or probably no. even five out of ten. But it's just like a business. If if you have the right strategies, it doesn't mean every move you make is gonna work. But enough of them will work that it doesn't matter that the other ones didn't work. If if you make three big moves in a business and they hey, work. Man. It's in not baseball, gonna, in exactly. baseball, that three three hits out of ten gets you into the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of things I've tried that didn't work out, but no one really hears about them because all the things that did work out are right there in, in the forefront. So that's what you're and, seeing. And to be honest, all the things that didn't work out, if you're smart, 
the culmination of all those things that work out were the reason why the things that did work out did because you yeah, learned from those and you brought those along with you. You didn't just forget about it because otherwise you keep making that same mistake. And then it's no longer a mistake. It's a choice. <laughs> honestly, the, the things that didn't work out, the main reason why they didn't work out is you realize you didn't want them to work out. In exactly. other words, you, you lost interest. Like, you know what? I don't really want to do this. And then you move on. That's the real reason why it You're didn't right. work out. There's never been anything where I'm super excited about it, passionate about it. I'm talking about the fitness business. My fitness business where it didn't work out. As long if I have that, that's why I don't do anything unless I have that feeling. So when people right. come to me and they're going, "Hey, I got this opportunity and I don't have any interest whatsoever," I move on because I know it's not going to work. I have to have a certain feeling has to happen. I have to I have to feel something. There has to, there has to be some excitement where it's on my mind. Man, I gotta have the excitement. And I gotta be obsessed. There like, you go. Obsessed Special. to the point where Special. I don't even realize like, oh shit, I didn't eat today. Oh damn, I only got a, I only got two hours of sleep. Or oh man, I've been doing this for like twenty hours. Oh well, let me take a quick one hour nap or two hour nap so I can get back to this because you want to get back in it. So that's when you know, like, okay, this is this thing is what you want to do right here. Yeah, you gotta be you gotta be obsessed like Jack Bauer in twenty four. All right, in season six, he was after two years of being tortured in a Chinese prison camp. <laughs> He comes back to America season six and he takes charge. All right. right. He stays up for 24 hours to have the job done after being tortured for two years. (laughs) That's determination. It's also bullshit. Like, damn, Jack, you don't want to take a nap? Damn that. Tell me, I got to save America, Mr. President. I don't have time to take a nap. (laughs) Got to make sure the Chinese doesn't come back and take my ass again. And I got to save Kim. It's like, damn, Jack, did they feed you gravel over there? Your voice got even worse. <laughs> like, yeah, why are you always whispering? You're either whispering or you're shouting. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to take care of this. There's no happy medium with you, guy. <laughs> hey, still highly entertaining, still highly motivating. Right. <laughs> that kind of determination, there's something to learn from that. Right. Because when I talk to people that are trying to make a business work, and they're not. You can tell that they're not obsessed about it. I go, this is not going to work. Not because it's not a good idea. I, I can just tell. The you don't fire give two shits about it. Yeah, the fire's not there. They get home and they shut it off like a nine to five or would. You know, like my business is on my mind twenty four seven. That's obsession. Yeah. Now, and it's not the only thing I think about, but I'm always thinking about ways to improve and different variables. What can I do here, there? And I say that in a positive light because I like what I do. I'm not thinking about it going, God, I hate what I do. Right. Yeah. But how can I do it better? <laughs> and then just everyday things, you start seeing things that you're like, you know what, man, that that's really cool. I should try that with this, this, this as pertaining to your business. Like you, right. you start seeing ideas everywhere, you know, things that yeah. you've probably been sitting in your house forever. And then all of a sudden, you know what, wait a minute. I didn't, why not, I didn't think about using that for this or right. this sparks this idea, you know. So that's when you know you're on to something. Because then you start seeing you start seeing the same old things with new eyes. No doubt. Now, don't I don't think you should necessarily tra- treat that with your spouse. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like he, he's like, oh, you know, you start looking at other women. Like, wait a minute, that, I didn't know women had this, that, and the other. Then you start looking at what you've been with. You're like, yeah, this was this is not changing over here. So I'm gonna go try this out. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> so, so don't do that. That's costly. Don't do it. So yeah, focus, rekindle, find some new things, find some new interests with each other, or just realize you're done and let go. Don't just yeah. be a dead horse. Yeah, sometimes that's the best. Uh, that's the most expedient thing to do is you realize that you lost it's not it. dead. 
and then you move on. Exactly. Just like anything else, like a job you have, you hate it and you get fired. That's the best thing that can happen because you may have just stuck it out if it didn't. You happen. ask yourself, like, okay, you, got, you hate this job. Then that's why it pays to have good people around you because then, like, well, you hate your job so much. What would make you love your job at this point right now? What could happen right now to make you love your job? As if you say some dumb stuff like, well, if they paid me more, I'd love it. No, no, you wouldn't. Yeah. No, you wouldn't. No. That wouldn't matter. <laughs> that wouldn't change it. <laughs> it's not about the money. So, and I know right now, just saying that right now to a lot of people who are in those employment situations who are thinking the same thing, just saying that right now, probably just pissed them off. Like, I, no, really? Sincerely, what you're just talking about. If they paid me more, I, I, I'd love that job a lot more. No, you wouldn't. You would just tolerate it a little longer. Yeah. You'll yeah. tolerate it a little longer, which is probably another 10, 20 years. And you'll probably complain to others a little less because then they'll look at you like an asshole because you made a significant amount of money now and you're still complaining to them about the same old things and they're making the same pay they were making before that, you know, before, you know, that you were making. They're going to look at you like an asshole. So you'll probably keep it to yourself now, which is going to breed even more problems because now you're internalizing it. And you can't just sit there and bitch about it anymore at the water cooler or whatever, or on Zoom, since you can't go back to work right now, most of you. <laughs> <laughs> so in your private Zoom or Telegram or, you know, or signal groups that you have. So, Well, one thing that's interesting is there are people that like their jobs a lot more doing it remotely because they've had to oh, work. Yeah. And they're going, this is great. I wake up and I just get a cup of coffee. I go downstairs, turn on my computer, start working at my own pace. You're not commuting an hour each way. You're not spending money on gas. You're not spending money on dry cleaning. You're not dealing with bad drivers. You're not dealing with traffic. And then you're not dealing with coworkers, you know, constantly or the boss constantly over your shoulders or constantly. And the most important thing, you're not constantly in fucking meetings. You know, all us have a meeting. Oh, we got a meeting today. Didn't we just have a meeting yesterday? Yeah, but we're having a meeting again because we need to talk about the so and so. But we talked about that yesterday. Yeah, but there's some things we left out. The majority of most corporate jobs is spent in meetings, and they wonder why our productivity sometimes is lacking because you're not letting people go out and do their jobs. You're constantly bringing them into a meeting, asking them, "Okay, so what have you done with your job?" Well, I don't know because you won't let me do it because we keep having meetings. When I organize these big courses, boys are back in town, collision course, age yeah. quarrel, et cetera, a couple in the UK. We never had meetings. I never had meetings with any of the participants, with the other instructors. We would we would go back and forth via email to work things out. But there, were, there really right. wasn't anything to talk about. Everything we right. needed to do could be communicated through email. Everybody's busy, so that was perfect for everyone. So whatever I needed, <laughs> I needed to have email to me anyway. So right. there was a reason for me to call someone and tell them to email me. I'll just email them and tell them to give me what I need. Yep. So, yeah, just I don't understand, like, what is the big obsession with meetings, <laughs> you know? That's and, the of being productive. It's, you, you actually feel like you're doing something useful. It's just like, look, people that like to complain, like they get together, they complain, and they all feel better afterwards. But what really changed? Nothing. You just you feel you feel like you've actually done something productive. It's like, yeah, man, we complained about that problem for an hour. All right, but the problem's still there. <laughs> the problem's still sitting there. Like, hey, y'all finished talking about me because I'm still sitting here. <laughs> Hello, I'm still I'm I'm here. Hello. <laughs> but people feel they get some satisfaction out of it, and they actually feel like they did something productive. And that's the most insidious thing when you do things where you actually feel like it was productive or useful when it definitely wasn't. That's the worst. At least when you know it's not productive, 
emphatically, you know, without a shadow of a doubt, you know it wasn't productive. At least you know that. But when you actually think you did something and you think it was useful, you thought it was useful, that's <laughs> that's where it gets real treacherous. Especially when you're talking. The only way it's going to feel useful is if you've taken action. Okay, all right, we talked about it. Now what are we going to do? And that's usually where you lose, that's where you lose a lot of complainers. All right, so I hear you. Now what are you going to do about it? There's a line in MASH I, I, I like to use when – like someone's talking and I don't want to hear it. I go, you know what? This is the kind of conversation I like to avoid. They're like, what do you mean? I go, you know, the one where you're talking and I'm listening. Sometimes it surprises me because the way I look, no one really tries to just come up and talk to me all the time, especially people that don't know me. But every once in a while, there's people that I guess they just I guess they take a shot with anyone they see and they'll tell you their yeah. whole life story. And that always throws me off guard because I'm sitting there going, man, why did you pick me for this? Like, <laughs> the way I look. Uh, you start evaluating yourself. OK, what was I? OK, before he walked up, what was my face doing that yeah, invited this dude? Too much at that moment. It's like, oh, he looks like a nice guy. It's like, OK, let, let me let me check that on the list. Don't I gotta, smile. Yeah, I got to I got to work <laughs> on my resting bitch face from now. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> Like, dude. And even then, that could work against you. Like, they just feel like, oh, that guy, like, he's having a bad day. He probably needs someone to talk to. Let me go talk to him. So <laughs> it's like, no. <laughs> it's like, hey, man, you, you good? You know, I just kind of saw, man, you had this look on your face. Yeah, I got gas. Oh. Oh, okay. Good. I was. I wasn't until you came up and started trying. <laughs> hey, man, how's it going? It's not. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, you know, Funny Eddie Trunk, right? I listen to his podcast all the time or his radio show on Sirius Radio. And it's I love the way he handles guests because every time a guest calls in, they're like, hey, Eddie, how you doing? And he always says, great. He never asks them back, hey, I'm, I'm doing great. How are you doing? He just says, great. And then, and then they have to ask their question because they're exactly. Like, oh. It's kind of like Dave Ramsey. Like, That's Dave Ramsey. doing it for a long time because, I mean, he does it every single time. He never asks the other person. Yeah, that, he that's says, crap. He's like, he always says, I'm doing great. Thank you. That's it. He never exactly. asks the other person how they're doing. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to get into that trap. <laughs> it's like Dave Ramsey. He's like, anytime I call him, hey, Dave, how you doing? Better than I deserve. <laughs> and that's his answer. It's been his answer for years. Better than I deserve. And that's it. So you got to get right into your question after that, because how do you even follow up after that? <laughs> He's like, well, yeah, me too. Because I no, nope, didn't ask you all that. I just said it better than I deserve. And I deserve better than hearing how you're doing right now. <laughs> so. he, had, he had a funny story. He goes, this guy called in and he said, you know, my, my wife won't sleep with me unless I make at least 3000 bucks a month. What should I do? And he goes, well, better get to work. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I was about to say, hey, man. <laughs> so, hey, you got your number. Now you know what to do. <laughs> You've got a goal. <laughs> Shoot for it. If it's <laughs> first, first of all, why are you married to her without making that much? <laughs> you, know, you should already be, because that's not a high expectation. And I was about to say, I said, no, my question is, just 3000 <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's not saying you need to make 300k a year. Otherwise, she's saying you need to make, you know, that's that's a a very modest income. <laughs> you know? That is, that is very achievable for a lot of people. Right? right. You can you can actually do that in a fast food restaurant. Thousand. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> like, how hard is it for you to make 750 a week? You're making damn near 100 dollars a day. What the you know, hell? What? 
Why does she even have to put you in that position? I mean, what the fuck are you doing? All Why day? is that her magic number? Okay, I'm like, I'm just like shit. She's trying. Yeah, she's she's she does, she she's lowballing it for real. <laughs> Yeah, she's just like, look, dude, I really love you, and I really don't want you know to let you go. So uh, let me just get us a number that we both can work with. I can, I can, I can work around three thousand. Expectations for your ability. <laughs> right. It's almost insulting. It's like shit. That's exactly. all. That's all you work. That's all you can do. Three thousand dollars worth. Capable of doing. <laughs> so basically, she's saying that you have the motivation and and the the intelligence of a drive-through worker. So that means your competition is probably the 18 year old who just graduated and this is his summer job before he goes to college at McDonald's. <laughs> so think about that, sir. And you're 48. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that kid's just starting his life, man. He has a lot of potential. You, you're going to potentially be homeless pretty soon. <laughs> so straight up. <laughs> oh man. So yeah, there was uh, some other things that uh, we want to hit on, but uh, we were talking about those before we started recording. But yeah, yeah let's, let's yeah, say this for the next one. We've got we got enough stuff now <laughs> for probably these next few episodes. Oh yeah, definitely. So many things that are happening right now, man. But yeah, uh, man. so yeah, let's save those. And um, again, folks, just take it. Just think about being prepared. Like again, prepare for the worst and expect the best. You know, so the more. The more things you have on hand for certain situations, the it's like insurance, man. Like, look, I don't have car insurance with the hopes of getting into a car accident. Right. But you know what? It does give me a peace of mind knowing that if some jackass or if anything happens, even if something just goes flying off a truck and hits my vehicle and I go off the road or whatever, you know, A, if I survive it, I know that my car is covered. You know, and health wise, my ins- I'm, I'm covered health insurance wise. If I don't make it, I have life insurance. So I make sure my family's taken care of. It gives me a peace of mind, but I'm not actively trying to go out and get killed, you know, and be in an accident. Okay. But I have peace of mind knowing there's insurance. So there are different ways to have insurance. So again, like I said, mother nature, she just shows up when she wants to and does what she wants to. And there's nothing you can do about it. Sometimes you get a warning and it gives you a few days to prepare. You know, so you can take a trip to Cancun, <laughs> like our good friend Fled Cruz. Okay, so, <laughs> or you know, it just happens, <clears throat> and that's when the real accidents happen. When things just, when Mother Nature just happens right then and there without warning. That's what I call those are like real accidents to me. Like a tree falls and it goes through your roof, or whatever, due to a storm. Anything else that's human, you know, human related. I don't call those accidents. I call that negligence. Somebody on some side of that situation wasn't doing what they were supposed to do. So that's like a car accident. No. Unless that person, well, even if a person has a seizure behind the wheel, it's still not necessarily an accident. It's like, you know, you have a history of seizures. Why are you driving? (laughs) Okay. So there's negligence and there's accidents. And Mother Nature is the queen of accidents. And things just happen. So try to be as prepared as you can be. For those freak accidents, you know, one day you're in shorts and the next day, you know, you got a blizzard. It's now negative seven degrees outside and you have no power. OK, or, you know, there's a mon- or monsoon just comes down. You, what you thought was just going to be just simple rain. It becomes, oh, it's now a category one storm or, you know, or it's a flood. So how are you prepared for those things? Because we're at this point now, the way the world's going. 
it's no longer the time to be thinking like, oh, it couldn't happen to me. Right. Yeah, we saw that with like pandemics in other countries and things like that, and we didn't think that it could just happen to us. We damn sure didn't think it could happen to the entire globe at the same time that it happened to us. But it did. Here we are. <laughs> so, again, what are you prepared to do? Rest in peace, Sean Connery, Untouchables. <laughs> Another one we lost last year. Yeah, man. That was a hard one, too. Yeah. So, yeah, man. That's, that's all I got. Which that's good, like. man. Yeah, that's a good episode, and we got some good stuff for the next few. Definitely. So make sure you guys tune into that. You know, hit those reviews. You know, thank you folks that are sending new reviews now over at Apple and Stitcher. Appreciate that. And Spotify. We're there as well, folks. So share it. Let other folks know about it. And we're going to catch you guys on the next episode. All right. So take care, folks. Take care, everyone. That wraps up this week's Live Life Progressively show. Be sure to head over to MikeMahler.com and NewWarriorTraining.com. Use the coupon code LLA12 and receive 12% off of your total purchase at either of those websites. Also, for more personal protection tips, make sure you head over to NewWarriorDefense.com. Support the production of the Live Life Progressively show by heading over to Patreon.com and becoming a patron. Simply go to Patreon.com slash LLA podcast. All Patreon subscribers receive Patreon-only access to our brand new show, Afterlife, which is a brand new behind-the-scenes episode that is not available to the public. Our Patreon subscribers also get to enjoy bigger discounts on all of our products by receiving Patreon-only discount codes beginning at 15% off on all products on MikeMahler.com and NewWarriorTraining.com. Don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Lastly, be sure to share the episode by following us on social media, on Facebook, as well as our new account on Instagram. Until the next episode, take care, everybody.